And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 4 to 6 with AMP is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Ohio State ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can also find great deals on Browns, Cavs, and Blue Jackets tickets. It doesn't get any easier than a two-tap checkout. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 426 with A and B, your Ohio State podcast on the Athletic. This is Bill Landis here with Ari Wasserman. Ohio State beat Maryland by a million? Was it a million? That was a million five. million five. Buck five. Because Terrapin, 73 to 14. They are favored currently by 51 and a half points against Rutgers on Saturday. And that seems too small. To me. <laughs> it seems low. Ohio State's, I looked this up on uh, goldsheet.com. They have uh, spreads going back to 1993. Uh, Ohio State's only been a 50-point favorite one other time, and it was in 2013 against Florida A&M. They covered that, right? They did cover that. They won like 78 to nothing, nothing or something yeah. like that. But that's where Rutgers is. Rutgers is on par with 2013 Florida A&M. I was reading a thing that Rutgers would be underdogs um, to like 50% of FCS schools. FCS schools? Wow. The, the, no, yeah. the, the lower... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I guess that's not, that's not surprising. My goodness, that program. They're going to hire Greg Schiano, though, probably this week. That that's going to be big, because when you go to Rutgers, you're going to... If that happens, Here's is, the it, thing. is it going to line up the right way? Here's the, yeah. <laughs> it would be, in my opinion, and I'm not a sports information director or an athletic director or PR person, it would be incredibly stupid of them to have Greg Schiano's introductory press conference at Rutgers on the Friday when the you know, entire Ohio State beat is in town for the next game again, the game the next day against Rutgers, because then Greg Schiano's introduction to Rutgers becomes a half-hour press conference about why his defense sucked last year. Do you think people would ask him at his press conference what went wrong at Ohio State when he's getting introduced as Rutgers head coach? Because I think, think that would be kind of inappropriate. Would it? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Probably, maybe probably. I, I don't know. I don't know that's that I would. Question. That's not what I would ask. That's what I, I don't think I would ask that either, but it would get asked. I don't know. If there were no Ohio State people there, I don't think it would get asked at all. And if there are 10 Ohio State reporters in there, which there might be if it's on Friday, which it sounds like it's going to be, he'll get asked. And I think you'd rather just avoid the situation altogether by either having the press conference on Thursday or waiting till the following Monday. Because but, I do think that there's another side of that coin, though, Bill. Ohio State's a much bigger market and much greater interest. And like, if the more reporters in the room, the better for their introduction too. Is it better to introduce Greg Schiano immediately before or immediately after Rutgers gives up a hundred points to Ohio State? 
Before. Is it? I would think after. I feel like before would just be another illustration of how far it has to go to be competitive. Yeah, but you'd be on like such a high, like, Greg Schiano's back, man. They're turning the program around, and then it's like... I don't think that anything on the field could... could. It's every week. It's not like we're... No, I know. You know, it's like they know what it is. Yeah, I, I think so. that I just thought it was like actually going to work out great because there'd be more people in the room, more things to talk about. Like Rutgers would be in the news in other outlets across the country more so than it would be because like I don't know like Greg Schiano going to Rutgers is a big deal. Like I just don't know like would Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports go to that? Like would ESPN yeah. send a national guy? Like yeah, is, is sure. like Rutgers going to have like a bunch of national stories next week? If the, yeah, you know if and when this happens, story. it's an interesting yeah. story. Yeah. It's like, I don't think it's possible to make Rutgers what it was when Shiano was there, but that's going to be the message. Like, Greg Shiano is a pretty famous person. He had an interesting last two years, very interesting last two years. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be a national story. I actually, like, am applauding Rutgers for this. Like, I think this is great. I think it's incredibly stupid because that piece that we just talked about would have happened anyway. It can happen. You can have that press conference any day. No, no, week. I'm not talking about the press conference. I just mean in general. Oh, hiring Shiano? Like, the idea of, like, they're going to just screw it. We're going to do everything you want. We're going to build the facility. We're going to hire the one guy that has won here. We're going to get somebody that has name recognition. Whether or not you think he's going to be successful again is one thing, but like he is the slam dunk hire for them. For sure. Yeah. And like I think that Greg Schiano isn't going to make this team a nine and two team with a Thursday night game to go back to a bowl game or whatever it was 10 years ago, I don't think. But they could be Illinois. Mm -hmm. They They should be be Illinois. They could be bowl eligible for sure. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be fifty point underdogs in the conference. No, no, that's and like I honestly think with Greg Schiano being hired, who do you think is in a better position right now, Maryland or Rutgers? Uh, I think Rutgers is in a better position. I'd Rutgers. buy their stock before that before Maryland's. Yeah, I think I might too. I think I might too. That's a good point. I think I might too. I think the upside is higher at Maryland if Mike Lassie could figure it out. But I think early, I would bet on Schiano to recruit New Jersey better than Loxley to recruit uh, the DMV area. And I think that that is crazy because, like, that was the whole thing with Loxley. It's like if you can't do yeah. it in year one, because you every coach gets a boost in year one, he's right? Got the juice in year one, yeah. yeah. And he's got nobody he's in the got t- no juice. He lost a commitment from a three-star kid from Damatha <laughs> in the middle of a football game <laughs> in year one. Do you know how crazy that is? Yeah. Like I know that like yeah. it's not our beat, but like it is. It's hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking about. We're talking about the slam dunk kid who should be dreaming of going to Maryland. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't break ties with Maryland to go to Alabama. We have a Maryland podcast. We should have a Maryland podcast. You and I can host it. We could go an hour and a half on Maryland and Rutgers without breaking a sweat. I know. I don't think people want us to do that. No. Uh, this is an Ohio State podcast. It's four to six with A and B on the Athletic. Please uh, do us a favor, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, wherever you find podcasts. If you are not subscribed to The Athletic, you can still get subscribed there at theathletic.com slash 4-6. Gets you 40% off. Uh, quick update real quick before we dive into what we want to talk about this week or today. Um, there's really no update with Chase Young. Chase Young didn't play against Maryland. Ohio State's still holding him out as they deal with this stuff with the NCAA as it pertains to a loan that Chase... Uh, took from a family friend and then uh, reportedly uh, paid back uh, last April. Still waiting to see how long he'll be out. There's a bunch of different reporting out there ranging anywhere from one to four. If we knew concretely what that number might be, we would tell you. We don't. Um, I think the one thing you can take as promising is the fact that there isn't really anybody out there, and I don't think either of us have heard that like he's done. So it sounds like he'll be back. When he'll be back, we don't know. Um, I probably would not expect to see him against Rutgers anyway, because I don't think he should play. Ohio State might be hoping he doesn't play against yeah, Rutgers. Yeah, but um, if anything, is there's anything to update with that, you can find it um, on The Athletic uh, when it happens. But for now, it's sort of, sort of status quo as it was last week. And I wanted to say one thing about Chase. Go for it. There has been tweets and a graphic, and I've seen, should Chase return to Ohio State is like a question. And I just, just want to like even if he's eligible, even if he's he eligible, back? should he come back? And I'm just like I think that is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Yeah, because I, if they had a loss or they weren't going to the playoff, I think that'd be a very, very interesting discussion to have. But this kid has gone on record multiple times talking about how important it is for him to go to the playoff at least once during his college career. Because yeah. if you get three years of Chase Young and you never make the playoff with him, that's a that's a waste of epic proportions, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that he wants it. He's hungry. He wants to play for a national championship. And I do think Ohio State can get through the next three regular season games without him. 
Um, but I think they absolutely need him if they're ever on the same field as LSU or Alabama, and I think he would relish in the idea of playing in those games. So that that whole discussion talking point I think is complete bullshit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't like the only way that happens if he's ruled ineligible for the rest of the year, which I don't think would happen. Yeah, he's not willingly leaving. He is only leaving if he's told he can't come back. Correct. Okay, so we're going to talk about recruiting this week because they're playing something that barely rises to the level of a football game on Saturday. And Ari is getting ready to go out of town. I'll be at the game. Uh, Ari will not be because you're going where? Let the people know. Well, can we give them the backstory about (laughs) Landis and I were at the Athletic College Football Summit in Chicago and we were having this big presentation about um, from our bosses about interesting stories and stuff. And like we got up to go to the bathroom during one of the ten minute breaks, and Landis goes, "You know what, man? Both of us can't go to Rutgers this year." I was like, "What? We're in the middle of August. I'm not even thinking about this mid November game." And Landis goes, "It's just a, a a waste of money. It's not worth it. We're we're not both going. We got to come up with something better." And you know, as the game got closer and closer, like I was like anti it because I've never missed a game. Um, but the more I started thinking about it and the more that was out there, I decided why spend a thousand dollars to go to New Jersey to cover a game. I, I, cause I had no questions in the Maryland game. Like I was in the press conference, like, what do you write off this thing? Yeah. He did a very good Garrett Wilson story. Though. Did you think it was good? Yeah, that was good. Thanks man. Yeah. Um, that was like the only option. And I just like going to New Jersey and going through all that stuff Two people. It's just too much. I will say before you tell people uh, what your what your plan is. Uh, last year, kind of faced with a similar decision when Ohio State was playing at Maryland, I didn't go in favor of going uh, to a basketball game at Creighton and also doing a basketball recruiting story. And then Ohio State almost lost. <laughs> it's not going to happen on Saturday, but it was funny. I was sitting on my couch pulling my hair out, like I can't believe I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> and like I, during the two point conversion last year, were you just like about to cry? Yeah. It was probably I probably felt how most Ohio State fans felt watching it, but for totally different, different reasons. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I um missed one game in my ten years covering Ohio State. And that was for a wedding back in two thousand fifteen. Yeah. And that was the north no, it was northern Illinois. Oh, northern Illinois, right, right. And right. I think Ohio State was tied at the end of the third quarter or something. They were they were in danger of losing the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I was sitting at my dad's house watching this, going, You cannot lose this fun. <laughs> you can't lose this game. because um, you know, it's not so much about again, to make it clear, we don't have a dog in the fight. If they lose, they lose, whatever. But like to miss that the story. Like that's what it's about here. Yeah, you, you know, feel, you feel an obligation to be there. Yeah. But if there was any game on Ohio State's schedule for the past ten years, I'm talking about ten years of seeing Ohio State play football, I think that this is the game that has the lowest percent chance of, of the other team winning. Because it's zero point zero 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 infinity zeros. Someone clip that and send it to old takes exposed. Go ahead. Just kidding. If somebody said Ari I'll give you a hundred bucks if Ohio State wins, or if they lose, you die. I would take the hundred. <laughs> I need to be safe. So anyway, so instead of going, Landis is going to go out there alone. He'll miss me a lot, but he's going to write really good stuff. Um, he'll do final thoughts this week, and I'm going out southwest um, to Arizona and um, California. I'm going to rent a car, play some Tom Petty, or more realistically, hardcore rap music, and I'm going to drive. Um, in the southwest and stop in on Ohio State recruiting targets and recruiting commitments and I'm going to write stories about recruiting for the next week and a half um, for you guys and I we felt like that was a better use of money um, I'm going to go to Tucson and stop in on Lathan Ransom hope to talk to B. John Robinson which really gets everybody's juices flowing then I'm going to head out to Rancho Cucamonga and stop in on CJ Stroud and some of the commitments Court Williams and Clark Phillips out in California and I'm hoping to come up with some good stuff so thanks for subscribing to The Athletic and I said that on the free podcast because I already know that that's going to make everybody who's listening who's not subscribed to sign up. Um, and then Landis will take care of the Chase Young stuff and you know the team stuff this week. And I think the Chris we've got a, Chuganoff show, the, the Chris Chuganoff show. Um, and I think we're going to have pretty good coverage this week. We're going to do good work, right, Bill? I'm going to I'm going to endeavor to achieve. My house is falling apart. <laughs> Uh, so the heat's not on, at least. <laughs> it is on. It hasn't kicked on yet. Let's uh, let's start it off there. Then you said you mentioned you're going out to uh, to Arizona. Um, we've talked about running back recruiting quite a bit on this podcast, but I guess there's been a little bit of 
not shake up, but but a, a piece of information, I guess, there that's as important we haven't talked about since. Um, Jalen Knighton, who was once thought to uh, be a slam dunk to come to Ohio State along with B. John Robinson, decommitted from Florida State after Willie Taggart was fired. Does not sound like that's an option for Ohio State, correct? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that it would be from the kid's perspective, and I know there have been reports that he has reached out or had been reaching out even before he decommitted from Florida State because I think it was pretty clear the writing was on the wall with Willie Taggart down there. But for whatever reason, and I'd love to know the actual reason, Ohio State has um, hasn't shown much interest in you know trying to revive that recruitment for whatever reason. So they're still looking for a running back. Uh, Mayan Williams from Cincinnati is a name that we talked about before. Jameer Gibbs from Georgia. Both those guys are committed elsewhere. Williams to Iowa State, Gibbs to Georgia Tech. But you dropped his name, so let's talk about B. John Robinson. I know you're going to go there and you're going to learn more about this and get more of a feel for it once once you're there, hopefully. Um, at the moment, how do you feel about the potential of Ohio State getting something going again with B. John Robinson and, and possibly flipping him back into their – or not back into their class, but into their class? Okay, I'm going to say something ridiculous because it's a podcast. Yeah. Here's my prediction. B. John Robinson will be the first recruit that Urban Meyer flips at USC. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm just joking. Um, I do think that um, – Let's just get this out there right now. If I were to create Ohio State, you know, the boards that I do sometimes where I, I say here are Ohio State's top 10 targets of importance, I would put B. John Robinson on that list right now. He would be the unquestionable number one player if he had interest. And I would put him somewhere in six, seven, eight range just to put his name back on the list because it does seem like Texas people are concerned that he might not end up there. And um, I don't know how much Tony Alford has been banging the drum. I know that they've maintained a relationship, and this is a guy that Ohio State would walk to Phoenix, or to Tucson to get. Um, but I'm really excited to go down there in Tucson and really have a discussion with the kid and real and, and like hear him say one way or the other, is this an option for you? Because I think that hearing it from him saying Ohio State's an option, he can take an official visit if he wants. I think he's he never t- did he take his official visit already? Sometimes I forget these types of things once kids commit elsewhere. But, you know, I think Ohio State is a real option for him if he wants it to be an option. I think Ohio State would so open. he took his official last June. Yeah. I, I, I thought that that was the case. Um, but if they can somehow get him on campus again, I don't know if they have to. He's been here. He knows what's up. I think that with what Ohio State has done with the running backs, it would be a very good fit if I were a five-star running back looking for a new place seeing what they're doing with J.K. Dobbins and listening to Ryan Day's slick sales pitch in the press conference last week. Um, I, I just I can't imagine not wanting to go there. If you wanted to go to a solid program that you know has good offensive direction that's going to compete for a national championship and, of course, has put players in the league, you know, I sound like Ryan, but, like, <laughs> it's just testimony. It's happened. I don't you know. Yeah. But, you know, I understand that, you know, kids want to stay closer to home too, and, you know, Austin is closer to Texas than – I mean, to Tucson than Ohio is. But I also have a theory, too, of if you have to get on a plane, you have to get on a plane. I mean, right. Austin is really far from Tucson. It's probably like a 13- or 14-hour drive. Yeah. Um, And USC is the other one that's alive in his recruitment, apparently. So, um, again, I'm going to go see what he has to say. Maybe he'll tell me tomorrow Ohio State's out, and if it is, then we can move on. But just given the fact that he does seem to not be 100% solid to Texas – Ohio State has a vast need, and they once had a silent commitment from him, I think is a really uh, telling thing, and Ohio State should be able to get back in it if things go well. I think it makes total sense that if you were if you knew that he had interest in possibly flipping to Ohio State, that you would put him number one on your list. Yeah. If but, he said, I'm interested in Ohio State, he would be my... For sure. He's, he's the number yeah. two running back in the country. He's really good. Um, like everyone's highlight tape's ridiculous, but his is especially ridiculous. Um but just in general, the idea of running back, just to maybe refresh people on where we stand on this, how how glaring of a need do you think it is for High State to land a top-tier running back in 2020? I think when you have a need for a position, it should always be a top-tier mm-hmm. at Ohio State because you start playing this game of, well, just bring somebody in, then you're one injury away from playing somebody that you didn't really want that much right. at any position. So like, I always think that if Ohio State needs a running back, that they shouldn't settle. I think it would be better, and this is my take on the entire recruiting. Let's make a general statement. I'm very interested to hear what you say, what you think of this, because we've had this discussion in the past about getting quarterbacks to fill the room. I don't think you should get anybody to fill the room at any position, and I think the only one you can make an argument for is offensive line. 
Like I would, I would rather Ohio State, if I were in that position, to put their class together, have a hole at a position, than take somebody who's not a caliber player to play here. Uh, every roster needs backups. Not all eighty-five are going to play. Like I'm not saying just take guys to take them, but I also think you need to recruit with depth in mind, not just who can start and who's the best player in mind. Um, one, because if you recruit that way, you're just going to have end up with a lot of holes in your roster because you're not going to get all the kids you want. Um, so I probably disagree with that a little bit. I think you need to. I think you need to recruit offensive line in particular, but really everywhere you need to have depth. Um, oh, depth is yeah. No, and I don't, but if you don't be. I don't think you can create depth with you know a bunch of high four and five star prospects either. I just don't think it's realistic. I mean, they've done a pretty good job of it. Yeah, they have. I, I what I'm saying is is. Like in if you look like let's break down Ohio State's running back room right now, Bill. J.K.'s gone, right? Yeah. Can we just work under that assumption? Because when mm-hmm. I asked Ryan Day about this in the press conference a month and a half ago, he said, "Well, we're not sure that J.K.'s leaving because if J.K. comes back, they don't need one." I mean, they're going to have a pretty good room between, um, you know, Marcus Crowley, who I think's looked pretty good in the games that he's played in. Um, for a freshman, they have Master Teague, who I think would be a very good starter next year if he was the guy running the running the show. Mm-hmm. J.K. I mean, they don't need a fourth string running back. Um, they have and they have they, they have Steel Chambers, and they also whatever you want to call uh, um, Demario McCall if he's a backup running back in the running back room or not. Yeah, you know, they ha- there's a lot of names in there. So, but if they lose J.K., then you need that fourth guy, right? Mm-hmm. And you always want the ideal scenario at Ohio State is that fourth guy is the future starter in three years or two years. Um, but I'm not sure that they absolutely have to have one. Like I think that like I would I think you could go into the room next year with Steel Chambers, Marcus Crowley, and Master Teague and get by for another year rather than signing somebody who you wouldn't otherwise sign for any other reason besides desperation. Yeah, and that's the point I'm trying to make. I understand that I you agree can't with that. you 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 can't go into uh if you absolutely need somebody to fill out your room you can't go in without it. But if you can get by without it, I think it's better to not to get by rather than to sign somebody who's going to eat a hole in your scholarship count for the next three or four years and not really have any chance to play. Yeah. That's my take on it. So I think Ohio State absolutely needs a running back right now, and there's a reason why Gibbs is up there. There's a reason why we're talking about B. John Robinson. And, of course, you know, um, we've got a kid in Cincinnati, um, Mayon Williams, who's committed to Iowa State, who's also on that list. And I think Ohio State absolutely needs to land one of them. B. John Robinson is the home run recruiting title race guy that you want but i think that gibbs is also somebody that they would really really like and of course i you know you also have to um add in guys like ej smith um i don't know if he's being recruited at the highest level right now but i know that he's taking an official visit no stanford and florida are really high on his list but you know he's an all-purpose back who's been like really crushing it in dallas and he's somebody i think that they could you know convince themselves to take if they needed somebody and of course his father's emmett smith which would be awesome for stories that we're gonna write it would be awesome I can write about how Emmett Smith is uh, overrated because his offensive lines are great. Um, you could write a story about how Zeke is better than him already. Yeah. Uh, are you you're going there, uh, Rancho Cucamonga? Is that in the yeah. plans as well? Home of CJ Stroud, uh, twenty twenty quarterback with an Ohio State offer. We've talked about Stroud and we've talked about Jack Miller and sort of that dynamic. It doesn't seem like either one of them are particularly scared of one another when it comes to possibly coming to Ohio State. But since the last time we talked about quarterback recruiting, Ohio State offered. Uh, Jaden Delara, three-star prospect from Honolulu. They went back out to Hawaii. He's from St. Louis High School where Marcus Mariota went. Uh, Timmy Chang went there. Who else went there? Jeremiah Masoli. Tua, Tua went there. there. Yeah, yeah, Tua went saying, there. You might yeah. want to list that. <laughs> Some quarterback from Alabama. Um, which it's is just, like and it's just like St. Louis. It's just on the islands. It's like the same thing. There's an arch and everything. Um, what do you make of them offering a, a third – it's not a third quarterback in general because they've offered more over this cycle. But like when they after There's they a got second real second after they gotten to the point where they decided they want to, they've offered this kid. What do you make of that situation? Um, I think that uh, anytime a quarterback gets offered in November and they're in that class that signs in December, it's a real offer. Uh, you know, sometimes you 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 see these these offers from um, Ohio State in the summer, and it's really I'm not sure if they would take them immediately once they. Uh, do offer the scholarship, but I do think it's real. I, I wonder sometimes if timings of offers um, are more like a squeeze play to just kind of like say, okay, guys, there's a race for one spot. If you want to come take it. Mm-hmm. Cause I know that CJ Stroud is planning on doing the hat thing on the early signing day um, date. 
when I uh, wrote the story about him a few weeks ago, I talked to him on the phone. He said he wanted to do like the old school hats, which I thought was funny because that's old school now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're old. Um, but that puts Ohio State in a very precarious position, right? Because if you put all your eggs in that basket and he decides to go somewhere else on the last day of the early signing period, then you're out without a quarterback and you only have those two and a half months to try to find a third option. Yeah. So um, I do think that they like – uh, Delora, Delora. Um, I would like to go to Hawaii to find out. I was going to ask you, did you ask to tack on a, a quick uh, sprint over Honolulu, Honolulu, Honolulu leg? So it's only a four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour flight. I guess if flight. Maryland was the game after Rutgers instead of before it, it might work because <laughs> i got to get back for a pretty big game that's coming up the following week. But I do think that it gives you two op- – it, it does two things for you. One, it puts a little bit of fire under C.J. Stroud's belly or behind to get – Feet. Fire fire under his his. The third body part is the right body part, his feet, um, to like really kind of pace this thing up a little bit. Because if he does, in his heart, feel like he wants to go to Ohio State, you start seeing that they're going elsewhere with things. There's always that that weird tightrope that you got to walk between taking your time and losing your spot. Yeah. Um, but I do think Ohio State wouldn't have offered Delora if they didn't want to take him. Yeah. So they need a second guy. I think it's become apparent that Jack Miller is not going to be the only quarterback in this class. Um, and it's just coming down to the wire here a little bit because signing day is what six weeks away from now. Yeah, I think so. Is it the nineteenth? It's like the, it begins the nineteenth and goes to the twenty-first. Happy birthday, Dollaby! Thanks, man. Uh, Delora has said that he will pro- most likely not sign until February. He's currently committed to Washington State, so the timing works in Ohio State's favor there too. That if they did encounter a situation where they did lose C.J. Stroud or didn't get him. Um, you have established a relationship with a guy at the position who will be deciding a couple months after that, so that, that helps you out there. Um, just what your gut tells you right now, will they have a second quarterback in this class? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. I wasn't so sure of that um, maybe a month ago. And if things go completely but, awry and they lose both, I think they'll get a transfer. They need another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there will be a there will, uh, be, there will a, be another quarterback in the room. I guess I meant will, there be a, will they get another high school kid? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that from all indications that C.J. Stroud is – um, the guy that they want. Um, it's also interesting because I thought it was funny, and I'm going to ask him about it next week or this week. But um, I'm trying to pull up his Twitter. The day that um, Ohio State offered Delora, C.J. Stroud also um, posted an offer from UCLA. I think it was. Yeah, he also recently was offered by Michigan. Yeah, so things are things are happening with him. But I thought it was really funny. It's just like, okay, you want to offer somebody else? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's an image for you guys, and this was me two weeks ago on Sunday watching NFL football on my couch. Picture you're sitting in your sweatpants for the day, you don't feel like getting changed, you're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza, maybe you don't feel like cooking for yourself at all, and DoorDash is here to help you. It's restaurant-quality food with a living room dress code. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, the Cheesecake Factory, others. I ordered my wings from Wingstop. It was great. It took 30 seconds for me to go answer the door. I didn't miss any of the games. Had to barely get up off my couch. It was awesome. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off of their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code AB. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code AB. Don't forget, AB, $5 off for your first order from DoorDash. But yeah. I am so curious, and you, we've been covering this stuff for a long time, Bill, but like just the timing of like once a kid's recruitment really gets rolling, it really gets rolling. And like sometimes yeah. it's late, but it's just like I think that the view is that he's the best quarterback in Southern California, and it's like why is Michigan just offering him right now? Yeah, it's not like uh, he really blew up at the Elite 11, in, which was what, in July, right, when you yeah. were out there? So like it makes it makes sense to me that kids blow up in the summer before their senior year or even early in their senior year it happens all the time but like everyone knew who Stroud was after the his elite 11 performance so the fact that like teams are just now offering him is kind of interesting but he also didn't he tell you that he doesn't put his offers out there right away Yeah he says it takes him a few weeks Yeah so I guess it's so, not but even if he even if Michigan offered him 4 weeks ago it's still the timing is still kind of strange like You put the UCLA it, going underneath going with that information that he waits to post it, the fact that he posted it the day that Ohio State offered Delora, yeah, to me is swaggy, and I love it about. Yeah, it. he's like, hey, I, let's look. I'm wanted too, you know. I still hold the cards here, which is probably true and should be. This is the way it should be. Yeah. All right, 
so those are the two, I guess, biggest pressing issues as it pertains to the 2020 class. Otherwise, this class is really good. This class is ranked number four in the country. It has eight top 100 players. I always think this is interesting because people went nuts when Clemson, I think, last year or the year before, like had the number one player in like four or five different states. Um, Ohio State in 2020 has the number one player in Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and it has a number two player in Washington and Missouri. If they get Bijan somehow, they'd have the number one player in Arizona. Yeah, oh, he's number two in Arizona. He is number two in Arizona. Yeah, but at the moment, they have, go, right? yeah, they have a player ranked in the top ten of his own state in eleven different states. If that makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Which I think is interesting because the one thing, and we know Ohio State's a national brand, and they always say that, like, and we knew what Urban could do. It was a question when Ryan Day took this job of whether or not he could go and start doing some of the same stuff. And granted, he had a little bit of a head start with this 2020 class because some of these guys um, were already committed to Ohio State before the coaching change happened, um, certainly had pre-established relationships with Ohio State before the coaching change happened. But Ryan Day has also gone out and done his own bit of closing, he and his staff in this 2020 class. So the fact that right now they have eight top 100 players, or class is ranked number four in the country, it could potentially get better. They have far-reaching ties to top 10 players in 11 different states. What's your, I don't know, what does that tell you about Ryan Day, the recruiter, as it relates to whether or not they can sustain the momentum they had under Urban Meyer? Speaks for itself, right? I mean, I just remember Ohio State signed, first of all, Ryan Day deserved a lot of credit, probably more, more credit than putting this class together for keeping the 19 class together. For sure. I thought that that was like a really good indication of what they have here. Um, Not the highest ranked class. It was a small class, but they – what did they lose? They lost one guy? Lost one guy. Yeah. Um, it was a linebacker, right? I can't forget what it, his name. But there are so many names in recruiting guys. Forgive us. but um, Oh, the kid who went to Clemson. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. His name is escaping me right now. Um, but – you lose Urban Meyer from a class, and it's announced in December. You're not supposed to sign the class that Ohio State did, and like we're talking like this wasn't like Ohio kids like holding on to Garrett Wilson during all that and holding on to Harry Miller. Like they had high end top five prospects in that class that didn't go anywhere. Yeah, from major states that have a lot of recruiting compet- uh, competition. So to me, I thought that was a good sign. I remember. On signing day last year, the early signing period, I wrote a column of saying, like, this was incredible. Ryan Day deserves all the credit in the world for this, but whether or not he succeeds here is going to be about whether or not this is routine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the only thing you can do is judge based on the results right now. And um, to me, I still like if you can picture an in-home visit or a guy trying to close, whether it's Ryan Day or Urban, like, you would still take Urban. Mm -hmm. Urban was maybe one of the best recruiters of all time. I just like try to picture myself being a 17 year old kid and urban coming into my living room. You know, there's just something special about that, but like on paper, this is an urban class. And I do, I, I do think that in 2020 with how deep Ohio's class is, which I think we're going to get to uh, 2021, excuse me, with how deep Ohio is, he can do it again in 2021. Um, I do have some concerns about the bottom half of the class. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't like, I think it's very top heavy, but I also, um, think that you know there's a lot going on here so it's just a very difficult thing to me with the offensive line and there's a few players here that are fringe ohio state prospects that i'm not sure could play and they still have a top four class because of how top heavy it is but that's my number one concern right now and you're like the expert on resident three-star offensive linemen but that would be like looking at the class there seems to be some players here that i wonder would they be offered if, if urban was still the head coach yeah, so I'm just trying to look at this real quick. So there are eight players ranked in the top 100 of this class, and then there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 players ranked 200th or worse. Now, one of those is Jack Miller, who is ranked way too low. He's just been hurt. He should be ranked higher than that. But there are more There are more players in this class ranked 200 and below, even 300 and below, than there are ranked in the top 100. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. Let, I mean, I think like it's, if you're I counting think it's, the kicker, I mean, yeah, one of them was a kicker, but and then a lot of them are, are, are developmental offensive linemen. Um, one of them was Cameron Martinez, who you went to go see, who I think we probably agree. I don't know. You you went there, you learned about the kid, you talked to the kid. He's ranked 375 in the country. Yeah, you should How, go watch his highlight tape. Like there, you gotta you gotta trust. 
Here's the thing. If a coaching staff is relying on the numbers on their 247 recruiting profile, they're going to be a bad team. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's their number one metric, then they're going to be a bad team. Even if it looks good on paper. Ohio State has to... I don't think people realize how much time goes into watching film, how many people are breaking down film, how many people are analyzing style of play, level of competition, all the things that go into recruiting um, high school prospects. Because like it's so much more difficult to, in my opinion. And I was having this conversation with a friend over the weekend. Like, even though it's more precise, like there are more resources put in through the camp circuit and the people who are paid year round to evaluate these kids which is why i think there's probably a lower miss rate with five-star prospects than there were in 2006 Mm -hmm. just because there's so much more film and analysis and outlets for these kids but you have to be able to find and and evaluate on your own and like Cameron martinez is misevaluated and ohio state evaluated him correctly and he's going to be a stud but i'm I'm, i know you but you get what i'm saying like usually in the past i'm trying to pull up right now like ohio state has 25 three-star prospects on its entire roster and like how many are in this class right now just this one three class stars alone. in this class. There are one, two, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine. Does that include the kicker? That includes the kicker. So that's like almost thirty-five percent of the entire roster makeup in one class is kind of a, a high number. It is a high number. I don't know. I kind of it goes back to what we were, we were talking about earlier about whether or not you should take kids, even if you think maybe you know they might not be starters someday. I kind of like the makeup of this class. Um, I think like, you look at Jul- like Julian Fleming, Paris Johnson, this loaded receiver group. You have two blue chip offensive linemen. You got a uh, DB and Clark Phillips that you really needed. You got another one in Lathan Ransom that you needed. Like they have positions of need, and for most of them, maybe r- r- aside from running back, they have a blue chip prospect or multiple blue chip prospects committed at, at those positions that they needed. And then you fill out the bottom of the class with. Lower rated guys, developmental guys, a lot of them from Ohio um, and or, or from the, the Midwest, from the Midwest, yeah. which I think is important. Like, I get you want to have a class that is full with five star prospects and what they had like thirteen top one hundred guys in the twenty seventeen yeah. class, which is ridiculous. And now they're going to win it. And, that, and that's uh, uh, that's great. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I think that's really if you can do it, it's good. Um, and it's not to say Ohio State won't do it moving forward because I think they're probably going to end up doing it in twenty twenty one. But I don't think it's a bad thing to have a class that looks like this. I actually, I, it's not my preferred style of class because if you can have twenty-five guys who are all ranked in the top hundred, obviously you take them, even if it'd be hard to manage. It's unrealistic, but you know what I mean. Um, in a more realistic world, I think this is a very good, good type of class for Ohio State because you don't want to be losing players. You don't want to look down the road two years from now like, oh, we signed this class that was ranked number one in the country and had all these five stars and all these top hundred players, and then two years later, half of them were gone because they came here with outsized expectations that weren't ever realistic based on the way the roster was made up. So I think this is actually a good position for Ohio State to be in. I don't know. You said you had concerns about the bottom of the class. Like, how concerned are you about what the bottom of this class looks like? Um, concerned to the point that, like, Ohio State's going to be paying the piper a few years from now because of it? or No, I, I, I think that, like, last year's class was small. This year's class is... Um, you know, made up the way it's made up, but like I think eventually, uh, the way this class is made up and the size of last year's class, it's going to put a lot of onus on the 2021 class to be elite, 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 elite. And I think there's a good chance they already have a top three player nationally committed. It happens to go to Pickerington, mm-hmm. and like I understand too, like a guy like Ty Hamilton in this 2020 class is like rated the number 745 player in the country, and he goes to Pickerington, and he's like the little brother of the tackle that dominated in Maryland game. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like he might take two or three years, but if he turns out to be like Davon, like it's going to be a hit, you know? Right. So, like, I understand the concept of that. I just – there's a difference between three-star developmental guys and three-star players who can't play here. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not a talent evaluator, so I can't, like, sit there and look at – a kid's film and say, Hey, this guy can't play here. But like, I've heard, you know, through the grapevine of like kid a or kid B can't play here. And whenever you start hearing that, that is, that kind of starts ringing the alarm bells a little bit. Yeah. I think that's fair. What do you make? I've, I think I've talked before about what I would, if I were a high state, I would prefer my offensive line class to look like, and this is mostly it. Yeah. Like this like seems right. Cause you, but like with offensive line and the reason why I said that earlier, I didn't mean to cut you off, Bill. But you just have more room to work with. You got five starters and fifteen kids in the room. 
Like I think that's the most nuanced position group on the team where you can really kind of have blue chip play. I mean, they're getting the number one center and the number one tackle in the country. Right. Like Parish you can't. How can you like sit there and like regardless of who else comes in with those two people, you can't knock it. But if you sign three players on the offensive line who, not that they can't, just as an example, can't play here, then I would be concerned about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that yeah, like Luke Whipler and Parrish Johnson will be our our starter someday. I really like Jacob James. I went down to Cincinnati and, and talked with him, and I talked with his dad. Um, I guess it was in the spring um, to do a feature on him. He's got a cool family story. A lot of people in his family have played football at Cincinnati Elder. It's like twenty three people or something like that. Um, he's ranked eight twenty six in the country. I think because he's a little undersized, but. I also get like a Pat Elfline vibe off of him. And I'm not saying he's going to become the best six, center. 6'5", 285, undersized. He was like 6'5", 240 when Ohio State <laughs> offered him. Um, but no, like the, he, he, these are the things you look for, I think. They offer a kid like Jacob James, who at the time is 6'5", and 240 pounds, and they say, like, you have a spot if you do this. And then, yeah. he, and then he does it. And I think like that's that's something to pay attention to. I'm not saying he's going to come here and be – Pat Elfline was an All-American best center in the country. He's a starter in the NFL. But that's what Pat Elfline was, so it makes sense what you're saying. But I think like if you look at your, if you look at the class and be like, oh, this kid's ranked 826, like look look past that a little bit if you can, particularly when it comes to offensive linemen. I think there are things you can look for that are a little more important with these developmental guys than just the number that's next to their name. You know what would be a good story for you? Yeah. Um, is if you went past and you like took – all seven classes from the Urban Meyer era, and you looked at all of the players that were rated uh, 500 or less, mm-hmm. like, and you decided, like, we came up with a criteria for, like, what was a hit and what was a miss in a recruiting class. It'd be interesting to see if lower-rated offensive linemen in the bottom half of all their recruiting classes had a higher hit rate than lower-rated other players at other positions. Yeah, that would be interesting. They had They had some big swings and misses in 2015, but not all those guys were ranked at the bottom. Well, some of those guys are actually ranked kind of high. Um, that 2015 class was a disaster, particularly in the offensive line. Because you want athletic offensive linemen, but there's a nastiness in that Ohio grit that I feel like if you want that on your roster, like I'll take all the skill position players and the quarterback and the DBs and all that stuff from California and Texas and Florida, but if you want the heart and soul of your team to have that Ohio pulse, you'd want that on your lines, right? Yeah. And like it's like, going to work out great for them in 2021 because the best player in the country was Jack Sawyer ranked? I have to look it up. It's top five. He's right? number two, I think. Number two in the country overall. Goes to high school in Pickerington, like is a defensive end, and like could be the next player. That's like a Bosa. Like that is that's huge, and he happens to be from Ohio. But like you want that Pat. If I could make up my offensive line at Ohio State of Billy Price and Pat Elflines, then that would be better than anything I could do yeah. from a five star perspective. It's just a matter of the risk and whether or not it's going to happen that way. What do you make of? Oh, I guess is is there anything to make of the fact that because you just went down this road, they don't have that kind of player in this class. They don't have a Bosa or a Chase Young or a Jack Sawyer or a Zach Harrison in this 2020 class. You mean just because of the rank or because of – I don't know. It just seems like – you it mean just the defensive end? In 20 – in the, that a dominant five-star or high four-star yes. pass rusher in this class. I think that is one thing where you can go, what the hell is going on here? Because Larry Johnson is Larry Johnson, and he does this every single year, and they're going to lose – Chase Young Chase. after this season, yeah. and they're not going to replace him in this class with another guy. So the um, hope, if you're Ohio State right now, is um, that Harrison turns into a beast and Tariq Smith turns into a beast, and they have some guys next year to replace him and Cooper. But you would think that there would be a spot for that right now. And they don't. They have some defensive ends committed. Um, Jacoby you know, Cowan. Jac- Cowan is good. Darian Henry's a tackle, but he could play outside, I think, right? Yeah. Or is he going to be a I think he's going to be more like a Draymond Jones type. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, Ty Hamilton. Yeah, I think he might kick inside, too. He might too. kick inside, too, like his older brother. Um, but they don't have that, like, Chase Young, Predator, five-star profile. It looks nice. Um, one thing to mention is Tyler Barron um, tweeted yeah. last night that he um, has made his decision with the eyeball emoji. And I don't know if that meant his college decision or what they're putting on their pizza for tonight. Both important me, decisions. Both very important decisions. But um, Barron is a four-star prospect, top 110 player nationally, ranked 108, number four strong side defensive end in the country. Um, he's not a Chase Young type prospect, but he's definitely somebody who makes this class better. And he's been uh, considering you know, Tennessee, um, Oklahoma, Oregon, Kentucky, and Ohio State. Um, Ohio State's been very involved. They had him on campus. I think that Ohio State has a really good chance to land this kid. And I think that could like ease your concerns a little bit. But you... 
with what Ohio State's done here, I mean, if you think about it, and I don't know if we if you, if you come up with like starting with Joey, going into Nick, and then going into Chase, and then maybe to Zach and Jack. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's had like a legit top five defensive end on their roster for like what could be sixteen years. Yeah, and like that's that's really crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, but you always like the more people like that you bring into the class, you or into the program, the higher chance you have that to hit. Now. I think, and I will continue to think until it doesn't happen, that Tyreek Smith is going to be an absolute stud. I thought he played pretty well on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Harrison had a sack. Of course he did. Like, you know. Yeah. And Harrison is. Tyreek had two, didn't he? Yeah. There was one where Tyreek came off the backside and ran down the quarterback from down, behind. And, it, and, and chased that, him down where I was like. That was the that was Maryland's running quarterback, too. Terrell yeah. Pigram can move a little bit. Like, that kid is an athlete. So. Um, we're and I don't think the, he's fully healthy either. Yeah. So you're still in a position where you're waiting for these guys to fully develop. And Chase Young, if you go back to his freshman year, was really good. What do you have, like seven or six sacks? I think he had six, yeah. But like, I feel like Harrison is comparable, is performing comparably to the way Chase did when he was a freshman. I think that's true. Um, so you have some something to look forward to. But Larry Johnson has done this enough with enough people where you would think every year they're going to get, like Brian Breesey, if he was in this class, that would be like, that five-star kid, and I know that Ohio State that was recruiting him earlier. He is a freaking animal. And he's not, going to Clemson. Like that, to me, like if you added that to this class, and it's like, oh, it's easy. I'll just add a top three national prospect in that class, and it's better. No no shit. Yeah. But if they had him, and they had a chance to get him early on at least. And you interviewed him at the opening last year, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, no, there was a, there was, there was a, a prevailing thought early on, which obviously in the end, Turned out to be wrong though. Like he was a slam dunk, no doubt about it, coming to Ohio State, which was probably the wrong read all along. He ended up committing to Clemson, um, but that's the kind of player we're talking about. And, and it's if, not, it's yeah. not like it's not like you failed because you didn't get one. It's just like something to note in a world where they usually get one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, they don't have a slam dunk defensive end in this class. I'm excited to watch Brian Breesy play college football. I've never seen the way he dominated a him. kid dominate people the way he dominated and this was two years ago when he was a junior, junior yeah. at the opening uh the way he, like the, the the sound it makes when he collides with another person is uh i don't even know how to describe it i've never heard anything like it i'm a pretty big guy you're a pretty big guy his calf is bigger than my thigh <laughs> <laughs> we're big but we're not we're not in shape yeah. we're just big yeah um okay so let's talk then about sort of future prospects for ryan day maybe this will be the last thing we talk about sort of going off of Jack Sawyer and what's going on in that 2021 class in the state of Ohio. There are nine top 200 national prospects in the state of Ohio in 2021, which is a pretty high number. They haven't had that many since 2016. In the 2020 class, there are only two. Um, Ohio State has four of those players committed right now. Jack Sawyer, defensive end, Ben Chrisman, offensive lineman, Jaden Ballard, Ballard, wide receiver, and Reed Carrico, linebacker. Um, Three of those top four three of those four are top 100 players this is a really good base for ryan day like he has to go out and recruit nationally i think we i think we all know that but to have that kind of pool of talent in your own state and what is really your first full recruiting class because i don't even would you label 2020 as first full recruiting class yeah you could even though there were some players committed before he took over but it's still the one that he signed from start to finish yeah i guess so i mean i guess you could say like he made a painting and he did 80% of the painting. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he didn't do 100% of it. It's the first it, one that he'll sign from start to finish, but 2021 will be the first one that he completes 100% on his own. Right. So however you want to decide that is your, it's semantic. I think but. it's a good way to describe it. But he has he has this, this it's not unprecedented, unprecedented because like if you go back years ago, Ohio always had talent, but it's, it's dipped a little bit in recent years. What's it mean for Ryan Day? One in that class in particular, like his long term prospects in terms of success at Ohio State, that he has this kind of class in the state of Ohio in twenty twenty one. If it was this way every year, it'd be great. Yeah, if it was this way every year, they yeah. never have to go out of Ohio, but it's not. Well, they'll always go out of Ohio. Um, the thing that is great is that there's a lot of talent, and it makes your class look good. It's really wonderful when the number two overall player in the country goes to high school thirteen minutes from your campus. Yeah, they've depending big. on what time you're on six seventy. <laughs> and, um, you know, like he is a slam dunk five-star prospect that Alabama, Clemson, Texas, USC, and every other blue chip program in the country wishes they could have. And like to be able to get a kid like that with the amount of work they put in early on, like the thing that is most valuable about it is the freedom it allows you to have to put the finishing touches on it. 
because these kids grow up wanting to play at Ohio State their entire lives. Once they finally achieve that, they work to continue to have that spot, but it frees up. What is it? How many do they have committed right now? They have four. They have six committed total, four from Ohio. Yeah, four um, of the top five in the state. The one who's not committed is, is Lorenzo Styles, who's committed to Notre Dame. Yeah. But he's also a receiver, and you can only, I think, take so many top yeah. 100 receivers. And they got Marvin Harrison Jr., so yeah. I think they're fine. Um, it just frees you up for the time you would have been spending trying to recruit Jack Sawyer the way they spent time recruiting Jackson Carmen a few years ago. Mm-hmm to go out to Texas and spend one or two more visits with that five-star defensive end or linebacker that you want from Texas that you might not have been able to get had you been spending all that time. It's the same thing as, like, film study. People are like, why do they put the onside kick from the Maryland game on tape? It's like, well, now the other teams have to spend 2% of their time preparing for that onside kick when they could have been preparing for their attack. And I think it's the same thing with recruiting, and that's what Ohio State's unique advantage is in this world. They are one of three teams in college football that have a – state that's this talent rich to themselves lsu with louisiana ohio state with ohio and rutgers with new jersey (laughs) um and michigan is not really recruiting ohio as much as they used to i think that's part of the reason why they're not what they used to be um and spoiler alert i talked to tress about this 2021 class uh jim trussell i talked to um about their and comparing this to the 2002 class which had a ton of ohio flavor in it in his second class overall i'm comparing the two i'm going to write it in michigan week because it's rivalry week yeah i think it's a perfect story for that week and you know keeping kids at home in ohio was used to be a defense mechanism to keep michigan out um and now it's a tool to create the foundation of an elite class that allows you to branch off and really close the slam dunk and whenever you have um what is it of their six commitments, five are ranked in the top twenty, uh, top seventy-five in the country. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a foundation, and I think this class might be the first class. And we say this every year, but they can it never has quite the, get there. They, you know. Yeah, this this class could be the first number one class Ohio State has signed, and I don't even know if they've ever done it. I don't think they have in like the um, modern recruiting era. In the modern recruiting era, and like if Urban Meyer couldn't do it, and then Ryan Day comes in in his second year with his first full class and wins the recruiting crown, it's like okay, well, I guess they're good. Uh, they're good now. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about it. There's nothing left. But I will say that overall, the overarching theme of Ohio State's recruiting um, situation with this staff and with Brian Hartline and guys like Larry Johnson, and of course, goes all the credit goes to the top to Ryan Day. I think that they've passed tremendously. And Pantone. Pantone is still and kicking And boys. And, you know, there's nothing to criticize about what they're doing here. Everything's great at Ohio State, except for the fact that its best player can't play right now. Yeah, that's... That's a problem. That's that's an issue, potentially. Uh, okay, anything else you want to add on the recruiting front before we wrap up? Um, is this the last uh, of the podcast right now? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to land this thing. Can I ask you one question? Because I've been meaning to ask you this and it has nothing to do with recruiting. Yeah, sure. Do you think Ohio State's better than LSU at football? Ooh. Because uh, I feel like this is just like one last conversation we can have before we... Cause yeah, that's after, like the, a big, after yeah. the LSU... Uh, I mean, well... I didn't get to watch much. Better at football. Better at football. <laughs> I think Ohio State's better at football. Um, I didn't get to watch a ton of the LSU Alabama game. I don't think I don't know if you did either. I watched we were, it twice. You've, you've watched it, the replay watched it again. Yeah, yeah. I have it recorded. I just haven't watched it yet. Um, I think Ohio State's defense is better than LSU's defense. Uh, I think Ohio State's offense is more balanced than LSU's offense. LSU at the moment has a more explosive passing game, but I think you need more than that. So I would think I would say that Ohio State's better than LSU. I don't know. Like, it's like, can Ohio State go on the road right now at Alabama and beat them? I think they could. I think Ohio State could beat Bama. I mean, that's the well, that's the mentoring. Yeah, no, it's I like, know. And LSU has like three, was it three wins against teams who had been ranked in the yeah. top ten? The one thing I'm going to say that was the prevailing thought is we both, we knew going into that game that both of those teams had really good defenses, right? I mean, really, really cracked good. defenses. Sorry, really good offenses are, for the most part, great offenses and defenses that were susceptible to giving up plays, right? Yeah. LSU just hits people. Like, they are like... Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but they are a very physical team. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious. Like, you can go, well, the, the, the stats and the metrics and, you know, Ohio State's got a more balanced this and a balanced that. Can Ohio State line up from a physicality standpoint and endure that ass-kicking? Yeah, no, it's a fair question. And that's that's the one thing I like cuz like they played with an intensity and I get it was the biggest game of the season and it was like basically the Super Bowl for both teams. 
but man, that team plays hard. Yeah, and like I feel like it's embodying their lunatic of it. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of a lot of Coach O in that team. Did you yeah. see the video of him in the oh, locker yeah. room after the game? Who God. didn't? And I just so prayed good. to God. It's like there's so much passion. <laughs> there's so much like we're going to come into the state of Alabama. We're going to kick the hell out of them in recruiting. We're going to kick the crap out of them on the field. And this is our conference now. It's like, and then you probably went up to the podium. I never watched his post game, but he goes, well, it was a really hard fought game. And it's like, just, come on, give us some of that passion. It's sports. Like you're allowed to like, this is like the biggest win of his career. The biggest win of his freaking life. Yeah. And it's just like, love it. Enjoy it. Talk shit. Do what you want to do. Like it's football. Yeah. I didn't watch his post game press conference to know if he did that or not. He might have done a little bit. He doesn't. He doesn't always back. No, off I know, stuff. but it's just like coming here is like this is the new tempo for the SEC. This is the this is the program that the championship runs through. It's no longer Alabama. We're going to kick the shit out of them in recruiting. We're going to kick the shit out of them on the field, and this is our conference now. Could you imagine if somebody said that in, in a press conference? How great. awesome that would be! Yeah, be great. that'd be something that they would show on television in twenty years when they're playing. Yeah, and like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with doing that? And this is turning into a rant, a rant about how to talk to the media, but like, I, I like got juiced up by listening to it. Yeah, I like Cocho. I like what he brings to the table. He Although was in the hot like, seat a year ago. Can I you like, believe that? I like Saban too. Saban does it differently, but Saban's got a, I mean, deservedly so. A lot of that, a lot of confidence the way he, he My operates. My favorite thing, and it makes me laugh, is when Saban gets wound up over an innocent question in a weekly press conference, and the way he's, we're not gonna do that, okay? <laughs> you know, like the way he like, he's funny, but I do think Saban yells at his team through the media. It's hilarious. Yeah, before. This and then we'll wrap it up. But before this weekend, I thought Ohio State was unquestionably one of the the best team in best college team. football. And I watched that game and I went, "Ooh, yeah." No, I, I would agree with that. I and you know, Ohio State has destroyed everybody they play. They can only play who's in front of them. LSU's schedule has at least been more top heavy than Ohio State's. Um, if they were on a neutral field, I think I'd probably pick Ohio State. Who would you pick? Who'd you pick LSU right now? Based off everything we know. It's a pick. It's a coin yeah. flip to me. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's close. Yeah. I think Ohio State absolutely could beat them. I don't know that I would be like confident in saying they're definitely going to. And Clemson is pounding folks right now, too. Like, they don't yeah. know. Dabo, Dabo got what he needed when, when the playoff committee ranked on number five. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say, and I'm going to be landing in Tucson tomorrow, and I don't know, you might have to do the playoff thing tomorrow. And I just, oh, yeah, I I just sprung that, that on you yeah, in front fine. of everybody. That's right. But the one thing, if you do do it, I'm gonna, I want to do it. But if I can't, I'll let you do it. Or Thanks. Not Thanks, let man. you do it, but like I need you to do it. Is how does the committee watch these games in the context of what happens on the field? Because in my opinion, Alabama lost by six, and the score's good, and you can spin that shit of like, oh, our quarterback was injured, and you know we only lost to the best team in the country by five at home, and it's like they got their ass kicked. In all facets of the game, in my opinion. And you have to watch it with some some nuance to it. And you have to understand that just because they lost by five on the scoreboard. And I wrote this on Final Thoughts. Just because you lost by 20 on the scoreboard doesn't mean you got blown out. And just because you lost by five didn't mean you did. Yeah. You didn't. There has to be some sort of context to the way these, these guys watch the games. And then, like, if I get on the call tomorrow night, I'm going to ask that. Like, yeah. how do you determine what's a blowout or what's a bad loss based on what you watch on the game and sometimes the score doesn't tell the story. Well, Ari, the committee doesn't incentivize margin of victory. Let, no, you do, you be the you be <laughs> um Mullins and I'll be my question, okay? Um you want to do this? I'm bad at this, but okay. Rob, obviously yes, you guys sorry. are breaking down film um every week and watching and looking at the stats and you see the entire story. But sometimes as we all know in football, the final scores of these games don't tell the entire story. Just because you lose by 20 doesn't mean that you were blown out. And just because you lose by five doesn't mean that you were. When you guys are breaking down the film, do you guys make sure to understand and to to accept the fact that all games are different? And how much do you break down the actual occurrences of what you see on the field in relation to what the final score turns out to be? Thank you for the question. Uh, the committee does not incentivize margin of victory. What we saw on Saturday in Tuscaloosa were two very high-powered offenses, two of the best quarterbacks in the country. And Shoot! Me in the face! That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. it's exactly what will happen. I've been on this call and, for... And that's since, why Alabama's still number four. Do you think they're going to be number four? Yeah, Penn State gave them an out. <laughs> if the committee had any nuts. <laughs> Minnesota, number four. Minnesota number four. You got that team number four? They got their ass kicked on the road against an unbeaten team? 
who's now a three-point underdog to Iowa this week, put him at number four. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to watch. Is the Alabama going to make the playoff? I don't know. Uh, maybe. If 2015 Ohio State missed the playoff, Alabama misses the playoff. The first time it's you the play same a good, exact first thing. time you play a good team, you lose. Yeah. And the team that's going to go represent the conference in the championship game. Yep, that's what happened to Ohio State. And no other awesome wins on your resume to boost you up. That's that's a, yeah. this is the textbook 2015 Ohio State example. Yeah, Bama will get Auburn, but they don't get you so much. I think. <sighs> that was good. That was a lot of a lot of heat there. That yeah, was fun. All right, so uh, we're still going to do the Q and A uh, later in the week that you can listen to if you are an athletic subscriber. Ari will be on the road, but we're going to make it work uh, as best we can, and we'll take your questions. We'll put up a, a thing on the athletic to get those questions off of you uh, midweek. Um, again, we'll ask you please subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Subscribe to the Athletic. We greatly appreciate it. Ohio State's got a got a stinker this weekend, but then it gets real again. Penn State, Michigan, Big Ten Championship. We'll uh, we'll keep you updated on what's going on with Chase Young, and we'll talk to you guys later in the week. <laughs>